Well, greetings. Uh, my name is Bill Kokenauer, and I'm part of the Exponential team. And it's my honor to welcome you to this discussion on what's next in church multiplication. Uh, it's been uh, what an interesting time to just sit here as we're beginning to close out a year that very few of us uh, could have anticipated at all. It's almost almost feels surreal. Um, and I actually think 2020 was hitting at one of the most, maybe the most dynamic time in the history of the church in the West. There were already uh, changes that we're seeing underway in the church that uh, just seem to have been accelerated by the by the pandemic. And I want to show my screen here for just a second. I want to show you um, a picture that I took uh, on a walk uh, yesterday morning. And I, I was thinking about this. It seems like we're seeing metaphors for 2020 everywhere. And, uh, and, and I, you know, maybe this is another one because I think about the countless leaders that I've talked to over the last nine, over a little over nine months now. And it's, it's clear to me that we're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but we're in different boats and it's impacting us differently. But, but perhaps this boat represents some of us in 2020. And, and now we're really wondering, do we just patch up the ship and wait for high tide, or do we commission a brand new ship, or do we do, or do we do both? And and I think it's that that broad uncertainty, along with the week to week uncertainties of this past year, that have played a significant role in the anxiety and stress of of many leaders. And uh, but the uncertainty also, I think, leads to a deeper reliance on the Holy Spirit. And I was reminded this morning in Second Corinthians twelve nine of one of the you know the many just paradoxes of scripture that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Mm -hmm. And so the, the other thing I like about this picture is notice that the, the, the clouds are beginning to clear to the West and a new day is dawning in the East. And I believe that while, uh, while it's painful for many, I think God is, has been refining and reshaping the church in the West. And, and that's really what, what brings us here uh, today. I wanted you to hear, from some leaders that have kind of a, a, a national and even a global perspective of, of what's been taking place. They, they just have a very broad perspective on the church in the West. And I think their views on where we've been and where we're headed are important to all of us. And so these, these are people I personally wanted to hear from. So, so to look at what's next in church multiplication, uh, it's my honor to introduce you to some of the really, truly three amazing leaders. Uh, first of all, Patrick O'Connell, the global director of the New Thing Network. Uh, welcome, Patrick. Good to have you with us. Thanks for having me, Bill. Hey, tell us just briefly a little bit, for those that may not be familiar with New Thing, just a little bit about New Thing. Yeah, we're, um, we'd say we're a catalyst for movements of reproducing churches. We're churches from really all over the world at this point aligned around mission and not necessarily theology. Theology is important, of course, uh, but we kind of claim, hey, let's get on mission together. Let's be friends on mission. And uh, we orbit, if you will, around four values, which is uh, relationships. Uh, we, we network churches together. Uh, we reproduce at all levels. We share God's resources. Even pastors are only stewards of God's resources. Uh, not only buildings and money, but trainings and coaching and things like that. And then we really place a high value on residency, which is really about investing in the next generation of church planters, uh, wherever they may be. Uh, good, good. We also have with us Jeff uh, Bennett, the Vice President of Church Planning for Stadia. Jeff, welcome. 
Hey, thanks, Bill. Yeah, thanks for inviting me to this. It's great. Yeah. Uh, well, share a little bit about Stadia for those that may not be familiar. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Stadia was birthed in 2003, and really our mission is to plant churches that intentionally care for the next generation. And so, um, you know, we work with church planters and established churches. Uh, with our planters, we have just over the years created a, and developed a full portfolio of services just that serve planters really from when they're discerning whether they should church plant or not uh, through, you know, post-launch, whatever launch may look like for their model. Uh, we also work with established churches to help them think about multiplication. We have a great partnership with New Thing, uh, Patrick and his team uh, in doing that. Uh, we also are working with strategic partners uh, around the country, denominations and networks around the country. Um, a couple years ago, we made a shift in our financial model uh, to offer our services for church planners for free and no strings attached. Uh, so it's been fun just to work with and partner with a lot of groups around the country to plant more churches. A pretty monumental shift. It's fun. It's been fun. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. We also have with us Noah Heikkinen. Noah is the Midwest Director for Acts 29. He also is the lead pastor of Riverview in Lansing, Michigan, and chairman of the board for Reliant Mission. Noah, good to have you with us. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Acts 29 for anyone that may not be familiar. Well, actually, nine. We're uh, you know, we're a pretty small movement, about six hundred churches uh, globally, uh, and we we like to say that we're a diverse uh, global family of church planting churches, and so our our big kind of three pillars are theological clarity, uh, cultural engagement, and missional innovation, um, and so really what we want to do is we want to be known as churches that plant churches, and so churches that plant churches that plant churches uh, that we are uh, pursuing holiness and humility, um, and being really a radically diverse uh, global community of, of, of church plants. Yeah, that's excellent. And there's, there's a, a, a commonality between all three of these and really pushing for kingdom multiplication, a, a disciple-making based movement. And just as Noel said, churches planting churches that plant churches. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. Our, our, a lot of times um, when we talk about our five levels, the, the difference between level four and level five, an easy way to think about that is level five is reproduction to the fourth generation because that's really what we're working toward. Well, guys, we were talking just before we went live, which sounds funny because we were actually live before. <laughs> we were. Before we, we were. I guess before we, before we started broadcasting that it's, it, it's hard to believe that, that the Global Exponential Conference in Orlando was in this same calendar year. Oh. I mean, it, it just sounds like, you know, it feels like three years ago, but it was a decade ago. You're lying to us. Yeah. <laughs> I heard somebody say the decades I've been in ministry, the 2000s to 2010, January to February 2020, February to March. <laughs> um, so I, I, yeah, just as we get started, I'm, I'm curious, how has this impacted you guys personally? What, you know, what's this year been like for you and your family? Wow. I'll go first. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it's been different. I mean, for our family, I mean, we're we're good. We're healthy. Um, I've got a freshman in college uh, and a junior in high school, uh, two girls. So there's you know the college um, very little time on campus. All of our classes have been virtual. So you know, there's been some. Uh, I mean, that's disappointing not to be able to get the college experience. So uh, she's navigated it really well. But uh, so there's certainly been some disappointments. 
there's been some great opportunity as well. I've not traveled as much, so I've been home a lot and I've tried to enjoy that time, obviously extended time with family, so that's been good. So, yeah, definitely challenges, but some good things as well. So. Good. Yeah, no more, Pat? Go ahead, no, please. So, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm a planner. You have to be so. gracious right now. <laughs> I, I know you guys or, to know that none or, of you are bastards. So or, Bill, none of us in. want to tell you how we're doing. That's <laughs> the other option. Um, see how positive they're going to be first. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> so I'll just be honest. I'm a planner, which made this year really hard for me. And our church launched a five-year vision that was launching in 2020 which was just, yeah, just amazing. And we have big plans for Acts 29. It was a rough year for Acts 29 uh, for any of you guys who have known any of the stuff that's gone on for us. And so in the midst of a pandemic and everything else that was happening, we had a lot of tension around uh, a lot of stuff there. So just, you know, a lot of that weighs personally. Uh, a great family, though. My wife is a rock star mom. And so it, it has been a good year for her to be a mom. We got uh, adult daughter, two college students, sons, and a son in high school. They all boomeranged home during this season, and she got to be uh, in her sweet spot. Um, and so, really, our family has been fantastic. It's been really good. And the weirdest thing, the best thing that's come out of 2020 for me is I walk every day, mm-hmm. and I just had to get out of the house and away from the Zoom calls, and have just learned walking two to five miles every single day. Uh, and by every single, I mean five to six, that's pastoral inflation. Um, but I walk, you know, five or six days, I walk two to five miles, and it's just been a life-giving. So that's been a wonderful thing. Good for you. Patrick? Yeah, yeah, I, I, share, I share what uh, what Jeff and Noel have gone through. Personally, uh, God's blessing has been good. My family's well. I have a, a daughter who's a NICU nurse uh, who is pregnant wow. with our first grandchild. So... Yes, that's crazy sauce. Very cool. That's a whole other story, yeah. And then um, um, my middle son is in college, but has been doing it remotely, although on campus, which is a whole other story. <laughs> and, then, and then we still have one at home who's finishing up his senior year. So we've been very good there. And no, really, like you said, I'm, I'm a lifelong runner, and I've probably put in more miles this year than ever. It's how God gets me alone, um, but I wouldn't give it up for anything. So I don't always want to do it. And I live in Chicago, so the weather's not always cooperative. But um, like you said, no, finding that one thing that I that I hook into physically has been just a, a remarkable blessing to me, also emotionally, spiritually, etc. That's beautiful. Well, your your leadership's been tested too this last year, and and. Uh, you know, kind of, I guess, jumping into the, the whole meat of this conversation right off the bat here. What what are the lessons learned as you look back on 2020 now? You know, um, you know, we kind of look to January, January 1 as this, you know, new dawning. And, and it's really kind of an arbitrary date. You know what I mean, uh, but but it is it does give us a time to to, you know, think back over a, le- a year like this one. What have, what have been some of the the lessons that that you've learned or, or, or maybe even things that you knew that, that, you know, just became deeper truths. Yeah. You guys are being too polite. I, I went first last time. So okay. So no, you go, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> well, you, you know, it's it, the, one of the things that was interesting in 2020 for me is just Jesus's statement that, you know, you will know you're my followers by your love for one another has both been, I think, kind of tested 
and shown to be so true. Like there's just so many facets to that where it just seems like, you know, churches have, have realized how much they need community and they've gone out of the way to figure out how to do that. Church plants have figured out how to do that, how to love one another. And then in those places where we haven't loved one another, it has had reputational impact on the church and how people think about Jesus. And so it is really for me, one of the big learnings of 2020 is how true Jesus's words were there. That's good. Yeah, I think, I think for me, you know, ministry is being pushed down and out mm. more than it has been in a long time. And, and we've always talked about that. We've always talked about the need for that disciple making. But I mean, churches have been put in a place where they have to do that now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think about, um, so I was reading a couple months into COVID in Acts, you know, Acts 8, 4, End of chapter seven, Stephen has been martyred, first Christian martyr. Persecution breaks out in the beginning of chapter eight. And in Acts eight, verse four, the message paraphrase, these are the words, forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Mm. And that just really stood out to me that morning because, I mean, let's face it, in the U.S. church, a physical building has been home base for us for a long, long time time and COVID forced us to leave home base. But I read that and I thought, what if the result was that the followers of Jesus all became missionaries like they did in the early church? We would look back at COVID and for all the pain and death and hurt that it's caused, there would be something great that came out of it. And so my prayer just kind of became then is, you know, what what persecution did in the early church that the pandemic would do in the U.S. church. And I, I think it's one of the great opportunities we have with COVID is for the spread and multiplication of the gospel. Yeah. So. Patrick, you seen yeah. something similar? Yeah, uh, absolutely piggybacking off of what Noel and Jeff have said. Um, you know, I remember when COVID was first breaking, I had just got back from Europe doing some work with some pastors there. And I, I went for a run. That's what I do when I'm stressed or overwhelmed or I need gods to just, you know, get me alone. I run. And so, uh, and I remember, gosh, Lord, what am I going to do? What, what can I do during this crisis? What, how do I lead new things? And um, he very graciously, I, I, I sensed, and, and we've been kind of moving out from this. And he, you know, he spoke these same words to others around me is you've got to really focus on multiplication like never before. This is a global crisis that is going to produce profound opportunity for the global church. Um, By the way, the global church has never undergone a crisis like this as one. And therefore, it has brought leaders together in remarkable ways. Now, they've come together because they are broken or lost or without resources, or like Jeff said, they don't have the buildings especially that we've learned the hard way Mm -hmm. in the West. Mm -hmm. However, um, echoing what Noel said, you know, there's a, there's a deep spirit of, of focusing on Jesus and his kingdom and the mission of God. And as we've got to collaborate to accomplish that, and that I think has been a really profound wake up call for the church. And I think is going to, um, predict some really cool things in the future. So that's what we've been learning. Yeah. Jeff, you use the phrase of pu- pushing, um, pushing it d- uh, down and out. Yeah. 
I think, and, and Noel, you talked about, you know, where you're seeing the sort of the one another done really well, which is, I think is a part of that. Where, where specifically are you guys seeing that done well? Like what are some of the characteristics? Uh, because there are also some churches that are, are, you know, wrestling with that and, and, you know, finding it hard to do that. So what are, what are some examples of where you've seen that done well? And what are maybe some of the characteristics of why they're doing it well? Patrick, I'll call on you. Yeah, yeah, I could, I mean, I could tell a quick story. I think uh, I was speaking to one of our friends in France this morning, um, and um, we had just finished some, some initial work with their team in, um, in central France, and we were, we were starting some networks, is what we do at Newton. We, we group churches together, and we network them together and say, hey, you're better together than you are alone. Um, and what has been remarkable to me is to see how they have adapted and innovated their network structures, the collaboration for kingdom and church planting. Mm. And uh, my friend Luke was telling me that he had started out as a multi-site of two churches. Um, because of COVID, a group of Spanish-speaking people came to his church. Uh, this is in France. He quickly realized that he has a Spanish-speaking church now. And so he's literally, he, had a, he, he apprenticed a new leader, and they started a Spanish-speaking church. And so what was challenge and hardship has resulted in a new church being planted. And I think that's just illustrative of what's, what, what God's been doing. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, you mentioned the, the collaboration thing there. I think that one of the things that's been interesting for me is groups and pastors and church planters that have not collaborated before have found that they've needed somebody who understood what they were going through. So I've seen first-year church planters just flock together, kind of almost in their pain and angst. And I've seen megachurch pastors do the same thing, sometimes in the same city that they've never talked to each other before, but they need somebody else to talk to. And so I'm prayerful that this spirit of collaboration be because we needed it, uh, turns into collaboration because we need it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, the, you know, it, 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 I'm hoping that that continues uh, with especially multiplication efforts. Yeah. And I think some of the need too. you know, let's face it, when we were focused, you know, when pastors and churches focus on a weekend event. Yeah. I mean, in some ways it takes a lot of people to know the size of your church, pull that off. But at the end of the day, it doesn't take that many people. And, and when you, and when you split up a church and go, you can't meet at the building and whether you have a hundred people or 10,000 people, you need more leaders who can help you lead and pastor well. And, and then, and that's where I think that multiplication piece, you start to realize we've got a lot of opportunities here to multiply churches to where are people at? Like, let's not start something new. Let's just have them pastor and lead and make disciples where they already are, whether it's a group or a neighborhood, you know, an affinity group or a neighborhood. And I think that's where, you know, to your point, Patrick's like, we've, have a Spanish speaking church now. It's like the opportunities, it just takes the blinders off to go. There's a lot of opportunities here. And if we can help, uh, I love how my friends, Doug Parks and Bart Rendell talk with intentional churches. We tend to think of the intentional one, think Luke 15, the 99 Mm -hmm. and the one. Mm -hmm. We tend to think of the institutional one. COVID has made us think about who are our 99s ones. And, And there's a lot of opportunities there when you start helping your 99 reach their one. 
Jeff, you said it, and I'll I'll just affirm it. The the other key word that's come up for us is mobilization. And uh, I'm an old Army guy. I was in the Army for a while, and uh, the Army mobilizes people, right? But this has been an incredible opportunity, and we're just getting the first glimpses of it for the body of Christ to be mobilized in ways that we probably haven't foreseen or haven't understood is necessary and possible. Um, and so I'm, I'm with you, and I, I see some really cool things happening as a result of that. Hey, Patrick, I wonder if another military term is a redeployment. Um, yeah. Because I, I really do think that, and this goes to what Jeff was saying, just you've got life group leaders who are now, in a sense, hosting a church in their home. With a, you know, and I'm wondering if there's a redeployment of, of staff and leaders into new missional innovations that we can't even fathom, right? We couldn't have fathomed in 2019. That's good. good. Hey, here's the other good news. Um, One of the things we've been working with uh, Barna the last few months, as they've kind of been talking about hybrid church, uh, something at Stadia we've been calling digital, the physical and digital uh, (laughs) aspect. Um, And one of the things that's interesting, in fact, this report, I think just came out a couple of weeks ago, um, they're in their State of the Digital Church series, uh, is they found 52% of Christians are wanting the training, are wanting the evangelism and leadership training. And so that's pretty exciting. I mean, our... Jesus followers are going, help me reach my one. Gosh, that's, uh, an, that's an Ephesians 4 redeploy. That's like a yes. wake-up call to both yes. the leaders and the, the church yeah. that we can actually do the things that Scripture has called us to. Exactly. Gosh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's interesting. I've not, I've not seen that figure yet, 52%. And it actually, actually surprises me that – do you think that, that that's a – those 52% represent people that are wanting to live into like their Ephesians 2.10 gifting that, that, that recognize, you know, a calling on their lives or that there should be a calling on their lives. Uh, or is it just training to serve the institutional church? Is there any breakdown or any feel for what that makeup might look like? That's a great question. Um, I, I think it's the personal calling. Um, there's probably some of both, but I think because the institutional piece has been changed in, during this season, um, and it's going to look different moving forward, I think it's, you know, what can I do? I mean, if you're following Jesus, I mean, you've, you've got this, there's got to be something more. Um, and when you throw everything beyond even COVID that's been taking place in our country this year, I mean, you just realize there is deep need. My neighbors, uh, I, I have needs, you know, I'm feeling pain uh, and exhaustion. There's things I need, but my neighbors need it. I at least have Jesus. Uh, I've got hope um, beyond my current circumstances. Um, but how do I help others? Yeah. Yeah. And Bill, I, just to your question, I think <clears throat> if I put on my hat of the local church pastor here in Chicago with Community Christian, uh, we're, we're underway with a, an effort, um, a microchurch expression of community Christian called 3C Communities. And we're coaching six couples right now to launch these mid-sized um, communities. That would have never have happened. Well, I shouldn't say this. Let me say it this way. Um, that would have been a slower burn uh, <laughs> before COVID. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so that's one anecdotal piece of evidence that uh, what you said is true. And then I can tell you this, I've had more business leaders 
kind of what you'd say as a lay leader in local churches, participate in more of our online coaching and training calls than ever before. It's kind of like those lines, like, hey, we're the full-time pastors. We do conferences in the day. Uh, Maybe we'll catch up with you in the evening (laughs) kind of deal. That's all blurred at this point. And uh, it's been really cool to see. That's excellent. Where, where do you see, like, what advice, there are churches all, all along the spectrum. I mean, I, I, ironically, yeah. maybe even sadly, there are churches that are still hanging on, think that there's going to be some version of February 2020 that we're going to come back to. And, you know, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but it's highly unlikely it's going to be February 2020 again. You know, all the way to, like you said, churches that were already seen to be decentralized, this COVID has just kind of accelerated. There are a lot of churches in the middle that, that truly didn't realize how Sunday-centric they were. That, that, that really, until, until that weekend yeah. gathering was taken away, they didn't realize. And so they genuinely want to move in this direction of, of, of doing ministry through their people. You know, decide, well, what advice do you have for, for pastors that are, that are leading a church like that, that really genuinely want to move beyond being Sunday centric and, and realize that may come back, but they, they, they want to invest in their people. What are, what are some practical uh, guidance that you give them? If, if um, <clears throat> I can get us started, we, when, uh, when COVID first started kind of breaking out, if you will, in that February timeframe, you mentioned Bill, we started just doing some, some blog posts because I was talking to a lot of leaders and I wanted to capture what they were saying. So I'd be taking notes and then we'd try to write it up. And we realized that we had these kind of these five emerging themes come up and we put it together. It's on our website, newthing.org. It's called five shifts. We said there's five shifts that the church needs to really make here in our opinion, our humble opinion. Um, and, and those five steps very quickly are, we got to learn how to evaluate reality better than we did before. <laughs> We've just got to be honest yeah. and, and, and understand if our systems are, making disciples and releasing disciples. And if they're not, let's, let's go back to the drawing board. We got to focus on this idea of digitalization, which is the digital idea that Jeff mentioned, uh, our version. And, and digitalization is more about how do human beings and technology interact? So we've seen lots of churches engage with lots of new content, but I want to see us engage people better than yeah. we have been yep. this season. We're still learning. Mobilization, we talked about that collaboration, we talked about that, and multiplication. It's always coming back to multiplication. And so what we've been asking churches to do and and leaders to do is keep your eyes on kingdom multiplication and use this as an opportunity to really evaluate and re-engineer. But to your point, Bill, I was not expecting to be on calls with pastors who were literally in tears and lamenting the fact that they didn't know what the next step was. I said, I, I don't know. Let's pray about it. But that was a really hard season for me personally. As a, and this was in that February, March timeframe. I'll never forget it. And it humbled me. Um, but to your point, that's when those moments where pastors realized, I, we're just not designed for this. Yeah. And we've got to redesign it. And I think I, I'm, I'm confident God's going to use that. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, that whole the whole digital idea, we started some learning communities, digital learning communities, and our, our hope of that was to help churches thrive, grow, and multiply. You know, because in the midst of it, it's like, okay, how do you thrive? How do you pivot, shift? Like, we got to figure that piece out and grow. But man, to your point, Patrick, the, 
the end game is always multiplication. Okay? It's always reaching those who haven't been reached. And so how do we, how do we look at COVID not as a threat, but as an opportunity? you know, in this season. And I think you're, you're so, you know, there's the whole idea you talked about this, Patrick. So just kind of, yes. And what you said, you know, the, the thinking digital first was a, a definite pivot. Um, here's the reality. It, the whole digital thing was not new. You know, it's like, I mean, I think, you know, estimates are 70% of the people who attended your weekend physical gathering had already checked you out online. This was not new, but thinking digital first mm was new for the local church. And it's kind of that concept of we realized, and I think pastors realized, all right, you know, when we think about the things our church is going to do, if you can translate it digitally, do it. If you can't translate it digitally, I don't even know why you would do it. (laughs) You you know, uh, especially in that season, you couldn't do anything in person. Obviously, there's some times now you can do things in person. But again, just from workload, can you deliver digital and an in-person product, how can you kind of ease the workload, think digital first? But to that other point, Patrick, the whole engagement being key, not content. I think that was a thing local churches, pastors, staff members had to think about, you know, content was still important, but we kind of had really focused there. Uh, Let's deliver great content. And the reality is, you know, somebody said attention is the new commodity. And it's like engagement's key. How do, you know, content with a cause? How do we use, how do we create content or how do we get great content that causes engagement in people and connection? And, you know, I think that's been a, I think that's been a big thing local church pastors have had to figure out in this season. You know, for church planters, I was talking to a church planter a couple, about two weeks ago, and his plan is to launch here in 2021 and his entire pre-engagement strategy is digital. Yep. And uh, there is a sense in which, so we're a bunch of old heads. It's, you know, four bald heads on this call. Let's just be really honest. Um, and, but, he hasn't noticed. Uh, yeah. But, but here's, here's the deal. I didn't know Jeff was. <laughs> yeah. We need to figure out how to let these younger guys, these younger planters, who are more digital natives than we are, lead the charge and we need to follow. And so as he was talking about his church planning strategy and digital being the front door already, I started to think, how do you, because I I said, how in the world are you going to plant in 2021? He goes, well, digital is the front door. So, and, and so he knew the language. And I think that, you know, our church was started by Jesus people in the seventies. The oldest person in our church was 24 when it was launched. And I I mean, the bottom line is we old heads are going to have to let the youngers lead the charge in this digital age. And if we don't do that, we are shooting our churches and our networks in the foot. It's been fascinating, just some of the church planners we've gotten to serve, watching them thrive during this yeah. because they get the digital space. I mean, we had several planters that we were serving went, I mean, they had plans to launch down the road and they went, I'm just going to go ahead and go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one planter that had over 60 people on their launch team before they ever moved to the town they were planting in. Uh, we had another, you know, you talk about kind of that equipping others. We had another had six kind of groups that were meeting again in that pre ramp up season. Um, 
I mean, within a couple months of COVID, they had 17 groups meeting. Um, I, you're right, Noel, and I think that's been one of the gifts of COVID has been, I think, pastors and church staffs are looking to the younger generation more and more and should have been doing that before, but I think that's a huge blessing, right? Now. Gosh, and if I can keep on that soapbox for a second, we need to work hard to not try to grab the reins back when the season is over. And it is the natural, I mean, yep. just if Paul can say to Timothy, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, it reminds us that our proclivity as old people is to think we've got it all figured out, yep. and we don't. Um, and so when we find those with speech, life, love, faith, and purity that are good examples of, of, of the faith, we should be handing them the reins, big, being their biggest cheerleaders. Uh, it, we, we can't grab this thing back because like Bill was saying, I think in our minds, we're like, oh, we're going to go back to February 2021. No, you're not. And you have no idea what's coming. So leverage that opportunity and get some young leaders into the, into the shoot. Yeah. It, hey guys, I, I want to add one thing to what you said because I think it's an important point. The um, the is equally important that the North American Church and Western Church listens to the global church in this. Mm. Um, so what has been fascinating to me, we did a uh, we did a cohort um, mobilizing your church for multiplication during a pandemic, just having fun with that, and we deliberately chose Indian leaders and Asian leaders. Uh, to speak into our context. So I, I love what you're driving at, Noel. Uh, thanks for setting that up, Jeff. We've got to listen to those younger leaders. We've got to follow them. But I think that the church in North America has an opportunity to integrate with the, with the global church in ways that we've never, frankly, been forced to do. And I, I mean that respectfully, but we've always kind of been, hey, we got it. We got the systems. We got the platforms. We got the money. We got the yep. conferences. We got the thought leadership but we need their tenacity. We need their prayer life. We need their ability to navigate hardship and challenge. And I'm, I've been, I've been amazed at that. And I just want us to keep pushing for that as well. Well, Awesome. Yeah. That's such a good word. I mean, isn't it amazing during this time with so much, you know, we've had to look at digital and leaning there, how much blending of global and us. I mean, the lines are just, Yeah. Totally. That's a great word, Patrick. Yeah, we have we have the platforms in the U.S., so there's a tendency to think that we have all the thought leaders, because those are the ones that write the books. Those are the ones that, yeah, yeah. That's a that's that's a really good word. I, uh, I you mentioned engagement, um, and and Jeff, and I, I think that's really important. I, I talked to Joe Myers, uh, wrote a book called Search to Belong about 12 years ago. It was the first one to kind of bring this idea of proxemics to the church that we develop relationships in four spaces, intimate, personal, social, and public, and did a couple of calls with him early on in this pandemic and just to get his thoughts. And he said that the tendency for most churches, and, and this goes to what you were saying, Noel, about digital immigrants and digital natives, the tendency for most churches is to take what they were doing on the weekend and just broadcast that in some right, way. Right. You know, and, and, yeah. and what we do on the weekend tends to be public space. We sit in rows. We look at the back of people's heads. We don't interrupt what's going on. He said the opportunity churches have is to go to social space and actually engage people. Like you were saying, Jeff, how do we, how do we get the interaction there? It's not about views and how many people sat in, but how many people are actually engaged in what we're doing. It's been, been exciting to, to see that. Um, 
We, it, well, the Kerry uh, Newhoff said, uh, coming out of this, you have to think of yourself as a digital church with a physical presence, not a physical church with a, with a digital presence. Do you have, how do you think that's true for all churches? Some churches, no churches. How does that? How does that strike you? So coming out of this, you, you, you need to think of yourself as a digital church with a physical presence, not a physical church with a digital I'm going to affirm that. I'm going to affirm it because, uh, and I'll say this for two reasons. Number one, that's precisely what we're talking about here in Chicagoland. Uh, we're thinking of ourselves as, you know, a digital church, not, but, but multi, there's many expressions of that. But there's that, that primary content engagement needs to be digitally. But then I also recall uh, the story of a leader in Kampala, Uganda. Uh, we had her on a call and she was explaining how if you had told her before COVID that she would be engaging with her church via WhatsApp or Facebook Messenger and grouping them and discipling them and releasing them the mission, she said you would have been nuts. Uh, but that's exactly what they've been doing. And so um, I'm, I'm inspired by that and I see many more, um, many more church planters and church leaders who are leading with the engagement side of digital, as you gentlemen have described it. Not just, hey, I got a camera in front of my Sunday morning worship service, uh, or I got a camera in front of me so people can hear me preach. All good things, not knocking those. But yeah. it's got to be more than that. And I'm, I'm hearing this more and more from churches that we're dealing with. You know, I, I, I have this tension with this one. And, and I remember when I first, when Kerry first, I think he just tweeted that out when he first did. I, I thought, yes, now, no later. And, and I don't know how much of this is me being old and gray. And I, I thought it was biblical. And I'm like, you know, we, we are incarnational. We need to be with people and in community and people have Zoom fatigue and all this. And I still have a lot of that. That is still, I, I think we need to be embodied and with people. And, and this is where I'm saying I am conflicted all over the place. I've got this leadership cohort I'm leading in my church. And um, there's a, a, a woman in this group, she's in her early 20s. And she just talked about how the Zoom meetings when we've had those versus the meeting uh, in person have really been helpful for her and her ability to process and think and take notes and, and engage. And when she said that, I'm like, what is wrong with you? And then I'm like, okay, maybe something's wrong with me. So I, I'm, I, I'm a both and. I think Carrie's right. I think Carrie's crazy. That's typically how Carrie typically is, so it's fine. But I, I think that we have to embrace I don't think the digital is going away. We have resisted, as I, just, I'll put my local church pastor hat, we've resisted having a digital-only campus for years as a multi-site church. Yeah. And I don't think it's going away. And I think that uh, actually the, the guy who I think is nailing this is, uh, I don't know if you guys know uh, Pastor Howe in Singapore, but he's got a youth church movement that's just absolutely out of this world. Um, but he basically said that they want to continue to have the digital presence be the front door now to getting people into incarnational community and that he wants them to be kind of almost jealous of not being able to be together while he's holding both. And so I feel we may go that same direction, keep the digital, but have a piece where people are longing for that 
that being with one another. And I don't know. I, this, is, this is one of those areas where I throw my hands and say, I'm probably just old and I don't know what I'm talking about. I think it's that. No, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for affirming that. Appreciate that. <laughs> I, I agree with what Carrie's saying. Um, but, but I think, you no, know, like even some of your wrestling with it, you know, digital first, I think we have to think that way uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, and I, and I do think there's some folks we will, reach there some ones that we wouldn't reach uh in our physical place now with that said um if we're truly making disciples that is always going to impact their everyday physical relationships and environment mm, that's a good word man um i mean it's just it's that's just the nature of being a disciple of jesus um i do think there is something tied in I think when we think digital, we tend to think, oh, it can be anybody anywhere, which it can. You know, geography is not an issue. But I do think churches, even as they think digital first, you know, this is a season to be hyper-personal, uh, hyper-local. Um, you know, I think some churches that have thrived in this season had, went pastoral early in covid and those that didn't, I think, felt that down the road, and their people felt that. I was just with a church last week. Um, they are, they, last week, their goal was to call every one of the 45,000 households in their database, personal phone call. Um, they're on to something, uh, and they've done several other things. You know, and so, yes, think digital first. Digital's not going away. And there are things that translate physically that you can do digitally. There's things physically that don't always translate digitally. And so, you know, thinking through those things, but you still have to be very pastoral, very personal. I mean, this is still a, a relationship that we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I think Larry Osborne always talks about the fact that everything is an experiment. And if you treat mm -hmm. everything as an experiment, you'll always win. Because if it worked, yeah. you look brilliant. If it didn't work, you said it was only experiment anyway. Yeah. And I, I do think that this is an opportunity that we have Great. to try some things that maybe we've always dreamt of trying. Yes. And and then just see what God does with them. And and it just, you know, yeah. Go ahead, Patrick. I was just going to say, back to the five shifts that we recommended and we, we deliberately chose the word digitalization for some of the reasons that you gentlemen are fleshing out. What does it look like for the gospel to be embodied in a, in, in the digital world? Mm -hmm. But have you ever, and I think it's going to continue. I, my, my youngest is 17. Watch how 17 year olds interact with their friends and the digital space at the same time. Yes. Yes. Right. If you, if you remember kind of going to a restaurant, you'll see four or five teenagers yep. sitting around they're sharing as much digitally as they are with one another. And it gets back to know what you said. I think that's a generational thing as mm -hmm. well uh, that we've got to pay attention to. And with the world trending younger and digital here to stay, the, the notion then is digitalization as kind of a, gosh, what would it be? A worldview, a philosophy? Right. And how does the church engage there? Because that, that would mm -hmm. be my fear is the church needs to stay relevant and effective by going to where the people are. 
Yeah. And um, so I wrestle with those same things that you said. How do you embody the gospel digitally? How did like all those things? But I'm hoping, and I know that we'll figure that out as we go. Mm. Yeah. And, and Noel, to, just to affirm something you said earlier about being willing to um, pass leadership on to younger leaders, it, it, there is a difference if you're a, a digital native. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have to be, that's part of passing the time is being uncomfortable with, with the direction that they want to take, mm-hmm. them, but mm-hmm. trusting that. And then, and then, you know, understanding what are the fundamentals of why we believe what we believe, you know, what is right. it, you know, is it some, you know, sort of um, just this notion that we, you know, feeling that we have that gives us, you know, warm, warm fuzzies or, or is it a fundamental thing? And, you know, I think that's yeah, just kind of affirming, you know, what you said there. Um, I want to come back to, uh, there are some different threads here and, and a, wishing we had longer than an hour here, but w- one of the things that we mentioned earlier is collaboration. And as I think about, you know, our level five framework, you know, level one being churches in decline, two plateaued, three, the growing churches, four being reproducing churches and five um, multiplying churches. And uh, Brooks, maybe if you could put a, a link to multipliers leading beyond addition, it's a free download if you're not familiar with that language. But um, I've, I, I have this kind of assumption that there are going to be level five um, areas, you know, level five cities. There's going to be an ecosystem that lends itself to level five, but that that's predicated on significant collaboration, you know, more something that goes beyond, you know, cooperation and coordination, but actually true collaboration. What do you guys see is, are, are you seeing that happen in places now? Uh, what do you think are the, are, are the elements of, of churches and denominations and networks coming together, you know, to reach a city for Christ? Well, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, there's something near and dear to my heart and our work at New Thing. Uh, we're in fact, we're, we're finishing the, the final touches on, a, on, a, on an online cohort, another one, uh, called Collaboration for Churches, um, in my opinion. And this is just, this is just me speaking anecdotally, is collaboration has been optional for many churches. And mm-hmm. what I'd like to suggest, it is no longer optional. And we have got to become the, the best at collaboration, not just because it will be effective for ministry, but I think it's a commandment of Jesus. I think it's an opportunity for unity in Christ that we've never seen before, where we have been woke up, if you will, to the fact that um, we were never intended to do this on our own. We were never intended to build our little kingdoms and stake out our claim in his kingdom. Um, and so I'm optimistic, and I would say that um, as, as we're doing our work at New Thing, and I know Stady and Acts 29 have that collaborative experience, uh, um, ethos as well, I am seeing more and more leaders respond to that than ever before, and that excites me. Man, and I would, I would say, Patrick, I agree 100%. And, and I would say to anyone listening, resist the temptation to just kind of isolate yourself right now you know when you're discouraged or even when you're challenged and you're trying to figure it out it's easy to kind of put your head down and just try to figure it out for your thing your church whatever that is like resist that Um, that's one of the things I've been encouraged that just in in our rural churches we've been working with our planters through our digital learning communities uh, churches have been collaborating just to learn man how are you navigating right now 
what are you learning? Best practices? How are we thinking about multiplication right now? What does that look like? Um, and that's leading to other levels of collaboration, Patrick, because then as we talk about multiplication, yeah, you get churches in a city and a reach and going, well, if you're going to do this, then what if we did this? And what could we do some of these things together? Can we share leadership? Can we share resources? Um, yeah, we're, we're going to reach far more people and, and bring the capital K kingdom to earth a lot quicker together than we ever will be apart. You know, Patrick, in your, in your neck of the woods, Chicago Partnership has been a really great example of that. So Derek Puckett, uh, who's an X-29 uh, guy, is a president of that network. And th- the, the, the partnership across church network denominational tribal lines in Chicago Partnership is one of the best I've seen in the world. It just – and when COVID hit – Early on in COVID, these they are all about you know planting churches around Chicago. What happened is they saw a need for just the tangible get groceries to people so they don't have to get on the the bus and the train and yep. get COVID. Good. And so they yep. went and raised money to get people groceries so they wouldn't get COVID on the train. And for like X Twenty Nine, we're a single issue network. We're about planting churches. But what happens is sometimes when you're so single issue on something like that, you can miss an opportunity. And I just love that the partnership between networks and churches and leaders created that. And so now, I mean, they're, they're just, that thing is blowing up. And I am just, I, I stand back in awe of what God is doing in Chicago as an example of that collaboration. They're like primo. Okay. So, so what are the fundamentals of collaboration? If you've got a, a city where that's not happening, but you've got some pastors that are saying, yeah, we, we, we really were beginning to see the need to collaborate. Are, are there are some things that you see, you know, where, where you look at where collaboration's happening well? Uh, is it in the mindset of the leader? Is, are there characteristics of the city? What, what are some things that you would point to that, that, that are necessary for that kind of collaboration? I want to say something first at the get-go, and that is we have to know each other and like each other at least a little bit. And I think what happens is churches tend to see each other's competition, which they shouldn't. We all know that. We all say it's not true, but then it's true. And I remember a friend of mine saying, years, I stole this. I always think I did it, but I know I stole it from somebody. (laughs) To try to find one thing you like about every church and pastor in town so that if anyone comes to complain about that church or pastor to you, you can say that one thing. So you've got the catalog in your head. And I don't think we can collaborate until we know each other because Mm -hmm. it's really – you. You're in the same city together trying to reach the same people for Christ. You're not in competition. So you have to know, you have to at least like each other a little bit. Um, And then from there, the rest almost kind of flows out of those relationships. But it has to start there with the senior leaders. Trust. It's huge. It's an essential ingredient. And, And I'm sure, Noel and Patrick, you've seen this. When you think about city collaboration, a lot of times it starts too big, too fast. It's like, hey, let's just pull totally everybody agree. together and let's just <laughs> right. get this. Totally we're going to go. And it just, you know, six months later, it's like, remember when we were talking about that thing? What was that? Um, yeah, it's <laughs> got to start small because trust is such a huge piece of that. 
it's going, who can I start this with that I trust? And I, I love what you say, Noel, of like, what's one thing that I love about every church in my community? Um, because, yeah. If you can't find one, they're probably a heretic, and so exactly, you're fine. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's always them. It's not you. It's them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's so true. We we uh, and, and it's a lot. Um, it's a lot of our work at New Thing is bringing. You know, I like to say that we 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 create a neutral, collaborative platform for leaders to interact. Um, for all the reasons that you gentlemen so have just described. But what I thought was really important that you guys touched on. It's it's. I I believe there's kind of a a, a biblical mandate. Find that person of peace. Jeff, you said it. The, the, I can tell you the stories of trying the citywide collaborative efforts, they go nowhere. And we'll just leave that to the Lord. Um, but find those organic pockets of relational, um, uh, a, a, a relational intensity and you got something. Uh, yeah. Noah goes back to what you said. I advocate if you can't be friends on mission, you're on the same mission. Yeah. We, we have, it's a commit. Jesus said we are his friends first. If Jesus calls me his friend, anybody that Jesus calls his friend is automatically my friend as far as I'm concerned. And yes, we might disagree theologically, missiologically. Our traditions might be different. Our ecclesiological mission uh, traditions might be different. But nonetheless, we are Jesus's people in this city, in this place. And so it must begin always with relationships uh, and being friends on mission as far as we're Amen. concerned. Amen. Okay. Another ingredient just tied in is generosity. It's yeah. that open handedness and you know, that comes with yeah. trust as well. Yeah. But, but it's just going, Hey, this isn't about me. It's not about what I can get out of it. It is really about a movement and it's about the kingdom, not my kingdom, but his. Something I see similar in what, what you're talking about here. Cause this, this, you're talking about the long game, you know, the, 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 the tendency is let's bring all the leaders from the churches together and let's all get on the, and what you're this relationally, and and then even in terms of doing ministry through people, it's a it's a you know you're in it for the for the long game. Um, the other thing that you guys reminded me of is I, I, I've thought about pastors that were successful level three pastors that have moved to level four. Oftentimes, what's in their story is God has broken their heart for their city, mm. and they realize they can't. Mm do that on their own. They can't grow a church large enough. They can't. And they, and so they begin to see, they begin to see the city through, instead of through the lens of their church, they see it through a kingdom lens. I think of, you know, of, of Ralph Moore, you know, being called to, to reach 1% of Honolulu in 10 years and realizing he couldn't do that. Uh, Bruce Wesley is a similar story. And I've, I've seen, you know, um, and, and that's just, yeah, I, th I, I think being broken, you know, for your city, you know, to be able to do that is, is, uh, it's good. I, I want to uh, come back to, again, I'll give you a, 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 an example and then give me some practical, like practical steps. So I'm a, you know, I'm a pastor that, you know, I've realized I've, I've been Sunday centric. I really want to work through my people. I sincerely want to do that. What steps do I take? What do I, what do I do first? I mean, like, what do I do tomorrow? What do I do tonight? What do I do over the next few weeks? What, what advice would you give me I genuinely want to move to, I get what you're saying. I want to move to doing ministry through my people. What do I do? Okay. Thanks for being with us today. <laughs> we have solved nothing. We didn't know you wanted us to give like, you know, actual things at work. 
No, I, can, I, can I say one thing to that? Yeah. I'll, I'll say one thing. The um, and and I'm I, I'm not intending to hyper spiritualize this. What I what I am saying though is, COVID has given pastors an opportunity to maybe erase some of the whiteboard and start again. Uh, and before you start writing anything on the whiteboard, pray and fast and hear from the Lord about what He specifically called you to. Because maybe in some way, like Jeff has, has talked about with digital engagement or Noel's talked about uh, with citywide stuff, maybe the Lord's calling you to do something different than you thought he was. Mm-hmm. And wow, wouldn't this be cool to look over your shoulder in the weeks and months ahead and say, man, the Lord really redirected my path there. And I heard and saw very clearly a different and, and, and more effective way. And not, not just to lead to more people on a Sunday morning and all the things that we might have expected to happen, but different engagements, different wins, different scorecards. I think this is a really important opportunity for that. Yeah. yeah. What has God asked me to do uniquely mm. in this mm. context? I agree, Patrick. Mm. I, think, mm. I think it's really easy right now. And I think we have to watch out. You know, you think... Um, there's so many great ideas, there's so many churches trying so many things, and you can be a little bit overwhelmed, you know, all right, we're going to do micro, we're going to do digital, we're going to do pop-ups, or we're going to do macro expressions, we're going to have a YouTube presence, like all the, yeah, I mean, it's overwhelming the hundreds and, and thousands of options. Patrick, I think you're right on. You know, I can either be overwhelmed by that, or I can seek the Spirit. And like, how do we build a church? God, how do you want me to build a church for this community, for these people? And yep, I'm going to experiment. Uh, the playbooks changed. Um, and yeah, 20, 30 leaders are doing different things, different ways, but I can't do all that. So how, God, have you called me? And start putting a plan together for that. I, I agree a thousand percent, Patrick. And I would say if, if Jesus is building his church, then we trust that that is true. And we don't worry about what other churches are doing in the digital space, but we look around us to see who God has given us. I really, truly believe that God gives churches the leaders that they need and that the vast majority of leaders ought to be raised up within the local community as much as you can. And you look around and say, who has God given me? What digital natives are here? Yeah. What young people are here? What are the opportunities here? And in that, let Jesus build the church that Jesus is going to build the church uh, that he plans on building. And, and, and just kind of don't try to be somebody else. I think a lot of times we try to wear Saul's armor when it comes mm. to ch- building churches. Mm. And, and, and it just, that, that, that's never worked. And, and, and so, and it leads to frustration and it leads to hypocrisy and it leads to a veneer of ministry that doesn't, that is not really who you are and how God has wired you to be and the voice that he's given you in your culture. So just look around and say, who has God given this church? Who has God given this community? Who can I meet? And then just see what God does with that. Yeah. That. Man, I hope everybody listening, I mean, that's this last two minutes is, uh, I mean, that's powerful, guys. And, you know, Patrick, I know there, there's a tendency to say, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but you know, it, it's because because we know, you know, people go, yeah, 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 I get that. But what do I do? <laughs> yeah, I'll, do I'll do that. I will. I'll do that. But let me do, you know, and, and I, you know, I find myself this year 
you know, referring to Roger Martin's knowledge funnel more than more than ever, because it's a great, you know, this idea that top of the funnel, you start with mystery, you begin to connect some dots, you moved into heuristic, and then you, you, you begin to find some things that really work and you move into algorithm and eventually it's even codified. And, and, you know, you could say that the prevailing model of the church to a large extent is codified. And so when, when a pastor's heart is broken for the city and they want to move to something, it, the tendency is to look for another code. And, and we really do have to be comfortable back in the heuristic and really uh, seeking the leading of, of the Holy Spirit. We, we tell our community, our learning communities all, all the time that, you know, success in the kingdom of God is being faithful to what the Holy Spirit's told you to do. And, uh, and, and, you know, maybe that's the, you know, that's the big benefit coming out of 2020 is we, we as, a, as individuals and, and as the church, begin to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in a way that, that we've not before. And, you know, that's, that could be powerful. Uh, I mean, I appreciate, appreciate you guys investing this time together. Um, yeah, I, as I told you before, I was looking forward to this, you know, and just, um, and I hope we have time to, you know, in the future when some bands are lifted to actually sit around a coffee table and continue this, this discussion. Yeah. But uh, thank you for investing in the, the, the leaders that have been on this call and that we'll watch it later. Uh, Thanks, thank Bill. you, Bill. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having us.